Hi. Did you know that there's a way to get even more of our content? Ah, God, I hate that word. More of our shows. Go to duckfeed.tv slash store where we sell some of our uh, kind of episodes that were previously just for Patreon backers. Uh, they're very reasonably priced, and uh, we hope that you can check them out. Everything from premium episodes of Abject Suffering to special so shows like Adaptation Decay or Try This. Uh, plenty of awesome stuff to see. That is duckfeed.tv slash store. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireball as a Games Club podcast. Yes, and this week we are reading your responses to Symphony of the Night, Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I always forget that first part, Gary. It's not, uh, we're not talking about the symphony of the same name. Hmm. What? Um, I don't know. There's probably a Night Symphony. Nocturne. Like, I mean, there's, you know, there's night symphonies. Yeah. You can go to the night symphony if you, like, knock three times and draw an upside-down triangle on the door with a piece of chalk yep. uh, before you go into the symphony. And then you end up and they just play secret songs with hidden notes yep. that haven't been heard for centuries. And... <laughs> but, but make sure you trail some trail some salt behind you so demons can't follow you in or yeah. follow you out. Ex yep. <laughs> let's, uh, let's look to creepypasta. I'm going to get started here with Brett. Uh, Brett says via contact. Uh, what do you think the skeleton on the lake uh, that you can spot with the telescope is doing? <laughs> I didn't read it as a as, as a skeleton. Um, I I just figured it was a person having a nice uh, a, a nice little row, not a row, but a row, uh, uh, or doing an escape from Alcatraz. Let me let me pull it up real quick and see if I can I can figure it out and see mm, if I can yeah just on on, on close examination. Uh, yeah, while, Max while, Media too. While, while you're doing that. We're referring to the telescope that you can look out from that kind of hanging aviary off to the right side of the castle beneath the uh, the outer wall um, yeah. in our in our cool little cool little treehouse dungeon. It's definitely a guy who's just rowing a boat. OK, but like what he's doing out there in the rain, like outside of Castle Dracula. No mm -hmm. idea. I mean, the, um, I mean, presumably that lake and any people nearby it are always there. Like this this castle is just a nuisance to them. <laughs> that's true and especially when it goes like upside down like it you know it appears just just displaces a bunch of water a bunch of houses get flooded like yep no good mm, hundred year scourge he's, he's looking for his house he's looking for his uh his family that yeah, got drowned when the castle displaced the water trying to rescue yeah <laughs> trying to rescue old tim yep yeah that's my guess yeah rick writes via contact saying thanks to you guys for doing symphony of the night for the show i popped it in today um, and uh, for the first time in nearly a decade, uh, the opening music began and I was hit with a wave of nostalgia and excitement to be revisiting one of my very favorite games of all time. And then I got to the opening cutscenes uh, and the prologue uh, about which I'd completely forgotten. Uh, Jesus, Teddy fucking Christ, they are terrible. That being said, it doesn't tarnish the fact that the game is still an absolute goddamn masterpiece. Your words are as empty as your soul's. He's not talking to us. He's quoting the thing. Yes. Yeah. Well, he. I, 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 th I think. I think he pluralized it so it could apply to both of us. I think yeah. he's he's taking that as a citation and then applying it. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I like we we talked about this a lot in the episode. I I think the opening cutscenes being bad is better than if they were good. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's all part of the campy charm. Agreed. So. Yeah. I do. I mean, I do. I literally have no idea what a, a Castlevania I would take seriously would be. <laughs> you know, like they try. They try that with like Soul Reaper, and it's like, you know, some of the cutscene stuff was kind of cool, but it was still, you know, that almost made it the weird. Like there, like more of a dissonance between 
the cutscene Soul Reaver and the real Soul Reaver. Yeah. You know, for Vampire Tales. And you can have it both ways, too, because you have the remaster or the uh, the, the redub on PSP yeah. now. So, like, if that if if the cutscene camp is a problem for you, you know, the, the Konami gotcha. Yeah, it, it's slightly less of a problem. Right. Like, it's still not super great. Yeah, it's not. You know, but it's, it's not quite as goofy. Yeah. Uh, Zachary says, via contact. Hi, guys. Uh, I played this game for the first time this week, at least in part due to the hype surrounding the game, and I was left a little bit disappointed. The game was marred by uneven challenge levels, frustrating navigation, uh, painstaking reloads, and a clunky menu and item usage. Do I really need to drop each chicken on the ground before I can heal? Uh, and the knockback made the final boss unplayable for me, again, uh, continually stuck behind his hands. That being said, the Castlevania formula is here with solid controls, great ma- great atmosphere, art design, music, and stellar voice acting. Overall, I'm glad I played it. Thanks for the push. Hi, you're welcome. Yeah. Um, I never thought about this as like, you know, or I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but as a thing of its time, like, yeah, we did talk about the clunky menus and, and things like that. Yep. Um, teleporter issues that kind of contribute to the navigation. Talked about um, having to reload from the uh, from the title screen. Like, yep. all of that stuff is totally there. Like, and, yep. you know, it just how, how much you can gloss over that. It's going to vary from person to person. Yeah, it's uh, you're not wrong. No, I just the, the things that you say that are good about it were enough to make me like it in spite of those those other touches. Yep. Yep. Sam writes, when you announced that this game was uh, going to be on WAF, I dropped everything and played it for what must have been the 10th time. I have fun every time, although the inverted castle drags a little compared to the first half. Luckily, I can beeline straight for the chrysogram at that point. Um, my past few playthroughs have been with the PSP port played on Vita, and it's basically perfect, but I still really miss the original script and voice acting from the PS1 version. I feel that Dracula properly citing the Bible doesn't get goofed on enough. At least it still has the voice clip of Alucard saying, what? Did you know, I don't know if we talked about it in the episode, but if you, uh, change from animal form to human form in a space that Alucard can't stand up in, he'll do that. <laughs> he gets shocked by it no i didn't that's yeah. pretty good that's real good yeah um yeah <laughs> the um yeah yeah we, I mean, yeah the bible quote thing is is super goofy mm-hmm. well i mean all of his quotes like he's he's straight up uh dropping anachronistic uh anachronistic appropriations which is yeah. which is the name of my candle my scented candle line that's not bad no it's that's, yeah, yeah. I was going. I knew it was. You're going for the the. This that's the name of my format. Yeah, yeah. You know, name of my. And I was trying to think of, but scented candles not bad. Yeah, I was yeah. trying to think of what you know. Uh, so. you, Gary, so a little bit of a thing. I've got a scented candle on my desk here. Um, oh, so. thank you for disclosing. Yeah, no. Excuse <laughs> 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 <I don't... laughs> me. <laughs> it's lit. It is a soy candle, and it's yeah, vanilla. It's lit. Um, <laughs> Um, uh, (laughs) the uh anders says by contact i'm sure you guys will bring this up but boy am i glad that igarashi and his team decided to stick with 2d graphics for symphony of the night there's no way that they would have been able to give the game all the charming and just straight up weird touches with psx era 3d sometimes i wonder if there's still some little secret that no one's discovered yet in the game from what i understand the japan only saturn version is way inferior to play the psx one the exclusive Cursed Prison looks pretty bland, but does have some really amazing pipe organ music. And there's a link. Um, I wish that track would have made it into the PSX version, and I plan on using it uh, the next time my D&D group explores a creepy castle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a cool idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, another cool touch thing, and I'm just these are just things I'm remembering. Okay. Uh, when you put this in your uh, CD player, 
Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it plays that for you, know, and it's it's Alucard saying like, "This is just a data disc. <laughs> Please turn it off." You know, he he does he does that whole thing. And it's it's great. Nice. Like, yeah, like that's that. that's pretty good. Yep, we uh, we talked about it. It's 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 great that this is two D. I think that that helped them make it so intricate and so big. Um, however, those three D touches are pretty cool. You know, in the backgrounds and such. Like it's that's- it's a good thing that it's there. And if this were um, like a slightly older game where it could be open to like modded and redacted versions and stuff, somebody could probably do a version um, like a restored content mod, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. Like with the uh, if this were an older game, like obviously I know those that stuff actually isn't in the PlayStation version, but could probably make a version of it that had that that made it maybe better because, you know, the boss is is pretty lame. The level looks pretty bland, but you do fight giant weird trees <laughs> um, and there are like classes of weapons that are down there. Oh, um, yeah. I watched I watched YouTube that was all the weapons and they're spears and you don't find spears in the main game. No, you don't. Um, but there are some down in the cursed prison. Weird. Which is kind of cool. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know that I have any more to add. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, you know, we should record more things that, like this where we like take a break between yeah. recording sessions that you did because all of the trivia that I forgot to mention in the main episode is all flooding back to me in a, <laughs> a well, sudden the, way. Oh, I mean, it, part of why is because there's just, there's just so much of it too. Yeah. 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 Covered, covered what I could, but mm-hmm. it's uh, definitely forgot some. So yeah. Let it flow, man. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Uh, Lucas writes, um, what I think sets symphony of the night apart from other Castlevania games, even the ones that w- uh, would emulate its fantastic gameplay years later is its atmosphere. Marble statues, expansive libraries, the chapel filled with religious imagery, they all contribute to a sense of gothic terror that is effectively disturbing, but somehow also goofy and fun. The wonderful soundtrack helps, um, as does the game's sparsity of cutscenes. Even very good and similar games, like uh, Order Order of Ecclesia, uh, have, a, have a lot of yapping that ends up undercutting the sense of isolation and exploration. Symphony of the Night really feels like a weird mixture of horror, 90s pen and paper RPGs in terms of monster design, and sweet comfort food. It's an aesthetic that I really wish more games uh, would try to emulate. I would appreciate some recommendations of other games that do it, uh, that do it as well. Um, and I really hope that Bloodline's Ritual of the Night lives up to its predecessor. It is, Gary... It's bloodstained. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> bloodstained. Yeah. There we go. Okay, that 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 makes that makes sense. Is the subtitle seriously "Ritual of the Night"? Yeah, bloodstained ritual of the Ooh, night. Oh God. Yes, uh, yeah, that's that's unfortunate. <laughs> the um something we didn't mention when we were talking about this in its place with its like antecedents yep. or its uh it, you know it um is that uh they do get incredibly talky. Yep. Like um and that is like a huge bummer for every one of the games that follows this. <laughs> like it is uh leaning into I feel like leaning into story is a mistake for Castlevania. Yep. And uh even the ones that I, I games I really, really like, like even Donna Sorrow and Order of Ecclesia and stuff, I want the characters to not talk as much. Yeah. So. I mean it's it's the usual problem of they th- they think you're gonna care about it because it's there as opposed to putting it there because you care about it or want more yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's kinda how I feel about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh Bree says by contact. Castlevania Symphony of the Night was the very first game I rented when I got my PS1. I'd long been a fan of the series and assumed it would be more of the same gameplay and goofy horror that I loved. I was surprised and delighted when I discovered that I was given an entire castle to explore instead of levels. The downside was I didn't buy a memory card when I bought my system and didn't realize I needed it to save. Every time I died, I had to start from the beginning, which led to me grinding grinding fishmen in the beginning in order to help me survive. 
I eventually got a memory card and finished it, first the wrong way and then through the inverted castle. I will always remember how I made the game harder for myself through my own lack of knowledge about memory cards and that it didn't deter me uh, at all from trying to finish the game. Yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. Sorry that, for your loss. That is terrible. I've, there, there are so many similar stories. I'm I'm very yeah. happy that, like, built-in storage is just a thing now that you can take for granted on consoles because many a game rental was ruined by the fact that I didn't have an N64 memory card because who has an extra 25 bucks laying around when you're 12 years old? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that memory card... Uh, additional cost thing is such a like a you know now it just kind of seems to make sense you know i mean now it's not really a thing obviously but right right uh it's just a you know weird interstitial mm-hmm. in the pre-hard drive era and it's a hard thing to, to think yeah. about i still have like a bunch of ps1 and ps2 memory cards like sitting around oh me too uh and that's you know i don't use them really anymore like most of that stuff i'll emulate for ease mm-hmm. uh but it's it's kind of interesting and cool to have that around and part of me has thought about like when you find them you know in a big bin at like an expo you know, for a buck oh, each. Oh, yeah, like just going and doing some and, diving. Yeah, like, you kind of get, a, like, a story of somebody. Mm-hmm. You can, like, psychomantis the, the memory card <laughs> and just, you know, um, yeah. kind of see what that person liked. Yeah, I always liked that um, on cartridges that had internal storage, um, like renting an RPG, like Final Fantasy II or, um, oh, gosh, Super Mario RPG, where people could mm-hmm. put in names and, like, go through and, like, think, oh, is that the, is, is this a person's favorite character? Is this based on their family? Like, yeah. reading their names on that stuff, feeling like a real creep again at age 12. The, um, I bought a, uh, a little word processor thing. Like, oh. um, it's just a little, uh, it's really lightweight. It's about the size of a keyboard. It has a very small display screen, yeah. uh, and is not internet, uh, capable. It can just, you know, hook up through USB. Is this for um, your do- minimalist writing? It's, uh, well, it's it's for my my uh yeah so it's for doing atomic so i don't get distracted yeah so i can take that to a coffee shop and just work on the book without checking twitter every two seconds of course um i opened it i tested it for the first time since i'm starting to, to get ready to you know hopefully make that happen this month and uh the it's on file seven which oh, no. to me means there are six files on it i didn't get i didn't you know have time to like dig through them but there might be like six bad like nano remos uh <laughs> on there or something like that like it, it could literally be a treasure trove yeah i mean that's that that's the best case scenario like worst case scenario these are just like essays for uh for college or something that's pretty pretty likely yeah you know? um but i mean it could be it could be incredible yeah so let's uh, I'll, I'll definitely bring it up if it's something awesome oh please do H- yeah. how do you get that stuff off of there yeah usb cable Oh, okay. um, you, can, you just you man, it's got it's got a hard drive on. It's actually a really cool thing. Um, Nick uh, Capizzoli, uh, who is a games writer who I like and follow on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, started tweeting about getting one, and mm-hmm. then I was like, "That's a really good idea." Because every time I just bring my laptop, like I want to be able to ultimately edit in in an internet connected device, mm-hmm. but the actual like drafting process, it's detrimental to have access to that stuff. Right, right. Um, so I was like, "That's a great idea," and then mm-hmm. I just looked on on eBay, and it's like, "Oh, this is twenty six dollars or something like that like it was really really <laughs> cheap and it's it's well reviewed and super lightweight and it's pretty neat yeah so i guess when you describe that i'm picturing the one that we had to like type up two page two again two page essays on for in like third grade i mean i, I don't know what yeah. you did that on it might be the same no no this was well before usb was a oh, standard okay. yeah yeah no no it's just a hard drive yeah so yeah. hmm Let's see, that was you. This is me. John writes, When Symphony of the Night was released, I was a freshman in high school and considered myself a highly competent gamer. Ugh. The the, the uh is his. 
He put that in there. <laughs> Whoa there. <laughs> no, no. Watch out, Cole. Thank you very much for writing in. Um, yeah. um, I consider myself a highly competent gamer, uh, but I could not for the life of me figure out what was going on in Symphony of the Night that was keeping me from accessing so many areas of the game. I make my way to the end, beat Richter, and get an utterly unsatisfying phoned-in ending. Uh, when I had assumed from having completed so little of the map that there would be more afterwards. Thinking this game wasn't worthy of half the praise my friends had given it, I set it aside and didn't think about it for years. In 99, after spending all of my money and time buying and uh, engrossed in beating Suikoden 2, I decided that maybe I had missed something and went back to Symphony of the Night. I went through the whole rigmarole of the spike breaker armor, holy glasses, etc., uh, which I had somehow missed the first go-around. I was completely stunned when the real boss-controlling Richter was revealed to me, and the upside-down castle utterly blew my mind. Never before had I played a game that locked so much of itself away from the player. Uh, at the time, it felt like a real revelation and, uh, and that I had discovered some sort of grand secret. Those reasons are probably why I haven't gone back to it since. My memory of that moment is probably a whole lot better than it actually was, and I'm certain that I wouldn't have the patience for it anymore. But at the time, it was probably one of the most impressive video game experiences I'd ever had. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, you know, it's cool that you had that arc. Yeah. Um, you know, part of me feels like that that's kind of the intended way that it's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where you are supposed to get kind of the bad ending and then, you know, push it. Um, I don't remember. I think we talked about this episode. I don't remember exactly how I learned about the Upside Down Castle. If it was something that was like told to me or if I stumbled upon it, um, I, I definitely wanted to explore uh, everything, mm-hmm. but I was also like a kid, so I was not as <laughs> smart about doing so. Yeah. So I got to this a little bit late. And by the time I rented it, I believe it was already something on like the game dot com or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, to get the to, to, to get the whole game, do you know, make sure you do these three things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It is a really, really qu- kind of awesome, mind blowing experience. I was trying to think mm-hmm. of what other kind of games you can stumble into the ending on accident uh, with. And the first thing that came to mind came to mind <laughs> was Bloodborne. Yeah. Um, you know, where that like the last boss of that game could be Mirko's wet nurse. Mm-hmm. You know, weirdly enough. Yeah. Um, now they do it again. I think the most uh, the most striking use of it in the other Symphony of the Night alikes, like in Dawn of Sorrow. They have the mm-hmm. like the fake ending that comes about. Yeah, two yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Robin says via contact. So a small note about the Saturn version of the game. One of the main differences really discussed are the Godspeed boots. Uh, see Alucard dashing around with them here. Uh, you get them very near the start of the inverted castle. This one item makes a major change to the back half of the game as you now are much, able to move much more quickly around the castle. Uh, I feel like the idea there was that the designers perhaps didn't want the player to feel put off by having to cover so much territory to finish the game. Or at least you could cover more territory faster so that you don't feel like you're starting off at zero after having explored an entire castle. I don't know. I beat the Saturn version first, so it's hard not to feel the absence of those boots in all other versions that I've beat. At least the PSP version retains the Maria fight uh, right before the Richter fight. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, I never, you know what, I've never actually fought Maria before Richter, so. I feel like I have, but it's, it's not the version we, you know... Yeah, we both did the, the did, OG yeah, did the PSX PS- one. Yeah, yeah, I, I forgot about that too, though. Yeah. Uh, that was the one I played last time I played it. Mm. But I feel like the last time I played it, I got like 80% through it, and then 
that was when we decided we were definitely going to do it for the show. Yeah, yeah. And then I stopped. Um, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, the the boot thing is interesting, even though I do think there's kind of like the second castle is kind of bereft of like flat ground. Yeah, you spend most of your time in the air. Um, yeah. Would have been nice anyway, like if it was just mapped to a button, you could just press it very quickly again to dash yeah. around. But I don't know. I don't know how it was mapped. So. Yep. 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 Hmm. Dan writes, man, how can I be succinct when addressing a game as dense and robust as this? As someone who tries to run through Symphony of the Night once per year since very shortly after its release, I feel somewhat qualified to speak to the way the game holds up. There's so much to love here. The art style is truly inspired. From the lush backdrops to the incredible sprite work, the graphics still hold up for me. The music is on par with the best in the series. Having not been particularly into RPGs when uh, when this game was released, this was this was my first experience with this type of progression system. I love that the item list swells to bursting. I loved the feeling of empowerment towards the end, even though my skills wax so much as to make the end game trivial. And once I found out about the hidden second half of the game that I had missed on my first couple of times around, I was blown away. Symphony of the Night is a cohesive package. And while so many of the games from my youth have become difficult to revisit, or even abject suffering fodder, this one has aged very well in my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a great game. It's one of the best. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. That, yeah, I'm with you. I agree. It does it does hold up so well, and I don't know if that's just because they kind of kept the ethics so consistent that, like, mm. you know, we talked about how 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 highly we, re we regard a lot of those portable ones. Like those are those are good popcorn, and so like I just I maybe I had a chance to get tired of them, but I never had a chance to like let it let it fall. You know, let my my affection for these fall into disrepair. If that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, I would I would agree with that. That seems about right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Dan. Mm -hmm. uh, Steven says, via contact, there's so much to love about Castlevania Symphony of the Night. I like how diverse and indulgent it is. Indulgent's a good word. Um, <laughs> from the soundtrack to the impressively large array of items and weapons available, there's just enough secret stuff to keep you hunting for more at all times, everywhere. It's one of those games I make a point of revisiting every few years. As outstanding as it is overall, Symphony of the Night does start to run out of steam in the inverted castle. The first half of the game meaningfully rewards exploration with useful items, sometimes ones that further enhance exploration. Unfortunately, the latter half loses a lot of this elegance. It's hard for me to get too worked up about this particular flaw, though, since it's not uh, as if I stop having fun with it. And, you know, Alucard, Alucard is storming an upside-down castle that descended from the sky, which is fucking metal. Uh, having said that, to combat this fatigue, I make a point of grinding a particular enemy in the, in the Forbidden Library uh, for maybe 10 to 20 minutes. I'm not sure where I first found out about this, but it uh, drops the Chrysogrim, uh, which is a sword that trivializes the game completely. The stats don't look impressive, but it slashes several times per button press. It's so fast that Alucard doesn't get an attack animation. You just see the swooshes in front of him. Leisurely pressing the attack button creates a perpetual zone of instant death in front of him, vaporizing everything in his path. So right around that time, I'm feeling drained by the awkward navigation and lack of meaningful discovery in the inverted castle. I start coating the walls with the insides of Dracula's elite servants before they even get a chance to react and wrap the whole thing up. It's not perfect, but I'm not entirely let down by that either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like the, uh, there is something like when we talked and we talked a lot about um, the uh, the second castle being kind of shitty. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you can get through the whole the, the whole second castle in about like ninety minutes or yeah, you know, two hours. Like it's not um getting the kind of power fantasy part of it. Like you get to mm-hmm. that point if you're like a little bit done with the really cool, super elegant like near perfect part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, either doing the chrysogram or doing the shield rod thing, you can kind of just stomp it and yeah. then get done with it and have your you know, it doesn't doesn't last long enough to get as tedious as it seems like it would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there, I mean, there, there, there's something there's something about it just that like, oh, I need to explore literally the same amount of geographic space again, or you know, the fact that they ramp up some of the difficulty and some of those and some of those uh, corridors much more than they do. It can feel like a little bit of a slog, but in objective terms, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and you, and it's it's you're it's taking less time than it did the first time around because you're not exploring right right like you're, you're not just doing as much like backtrack yeah yeah you can do it like is, in one big like if you don't like stop to go somewhere else if you, you know if you had a wall you can just do it in one big like clockwise swoop yep yeah and just kind of take care of it so you can luxuriate if, you, if you're still enjoying it but you can also rush through if you're not yep. which is yep. a cool cool option you can make it a make it a boss rush which is which is yep. what it serves very well as uh steven we let people get away with a lot here um, I'm going to have to ask you to leave uh, leave it up to us to determine if something is metal. It, it, I, it needs to happen by consensus. This has to be new because we let people do this a lot. <laughs> I know. I'm just, the, um, yeah. Like, don't make Steve like the the example for yeah. this. If, if I can't if I can't start a war on Star Wars with yeah. network, I'm not going to let you do this policy without me. Things, <laughs> um, things are getting a little bit chummy. You know, we have to we have to start changing stuff up around in uh, in episode 150. Uh, okay. obviously, I will, I will, obviously i'm kidding i'm i'll back that bill but i'm gonna add a star wars hate writer uh, <laughs> no. <to> it. <laughs> no, this is why we can't get anything done it's nothing but gridlock gridlock it's podlock <laughs> did you ever did you ever watch you you watch the critic right oh god yeah there's something i'll never forget it there's a thing with ross perot and admiral <laughs> and, and admiral stockdale or whatever his vice president was yeah. where they're like they're delivering a pizza <laughs> like ross perot was like if we don't get this pizza in 30 minutes it's free step on it <laughs> the admiral just goes gridlock ah! <laughs> it's one of my favorite things they're like stuck in traffic and they can't God. do anything but he just says it like such a, a frankenstein <laughs> like, i mean that guy was pretty funny i forget what his name is but one of my favorite moments of of of, of his uh campaign was i think it was during the uh the opening remarks of the vice presidential debate uh, i bet you didn't expect us to get early 90s politics on this <laughs> his his opening line was supposed to go something like who am i and why am i here dot 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 right but yeah, the way yeah, he's like, like so the, even if they had worked out that's such a shitty like ninth grader way to be right. in an essay but because he was he was so old and he was prone to these you know just kind of like lapses in speech he opened up with who, who am i why why am i here yes. <laughs> like, like, poor guy oh no yeah help this yeah. man yeah <laughs> save him free him <laughs> The, uh, yeah, the, uh, uh, you know, Webster's Divines debate as, like, who am I? Perhaps you should ask your own question. Who are any of us? Well, to look at that answer, we might, like, it is so, like, like bullshitting to get to a word count essay in ninth grade. Who am I? What am I doing here? Yeah. Uh, man, oh, um, man. (laughs) Uh, 
this is this uh this, this is me this, this is, is you okay yeah. uh, matthew writes via contact um i didn't pick this game up until a couple of years after it launched on on a steep discount from a kb toys i God, wish i, I could KB, oh, toys. KB, uh, every one of them was so like cramped and shitty and like all and the unique and unique though like yeah. just weird i bought um the entire run of metal gear solid action figures for a dollar a piece from one. Oh wow and like made the metal gear ray and stuff it was really cool <laughs> that's uh kb was where i always got my Mega Man figurines at the yeah. at the one in the mall it seemed like everything was always half opened though i just yeah, half open half price kb toys yeah. like <laughs> i i think i think this mr kb didn't run a tight ship <laughs> no no Anywho. Um, but, but it's where you could buy the saturn uh okay so uh got it on steep discount at kb toys i wish that i could say that it was love at first play but it wasn't uh, I rebounded hard off of every aspect of this game, and I was prepared to give it up entirely until my best friend convinced me to keep at it, that it was an awesome game. That first run through was rough, and I had so many Stonewall bosses, everything from Slagra and Gaibon to the gigantic electric asshole Gallimoth gave me an immense, gave me immense trouble. Uh, this is, uh, that is to say nothing of how long I was stymied by something as simple as climb through the cathedral to reach the pinnacle to get the leapstone. But I kept with the game in spite of my inability to play it correctly, and I'm glad that I did. Symphony of the Night remains one of my favorite games of all time, and I can now look past its flaws to see the gem underneath. Well, almost all the flaws. Almost all the flaws. Two tunes, um, <laughs> two tunes, Finale, Toccata, and Lost Painting play in more areas than any other, um, and their ubiquity really makes me wish that the game had more musical variety in the second half. Uh, Finale Toccata uh, is particularly bad about this, playing in nearly half of the areas in the reverse castle. Yeah, that's a huge bummer. Yeah, that lack of music is a uh, it's it's yeah, yeah it's it's a real issue. And if they didn't feel like yeah. composing something new, at least mix it up a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or just have them have the same songs as when they're in the the main castle. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, yeah, glad you were able to power through. Yeah, uh, never feel bad about getting stuck on Gallimoth. Gallimoth is bullshit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's the worst. Um, he animates exactly like a Salton Sanctuary character. Like Brian, <laughs> Dr. Static, pointed that out to me. It's like, oh, that's why those how those guys animate. Yeah. animate. And it's just, like weird skeleton cutouts. Yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah. it's like rigged puppets. They're, they're, like, they're, they're, yep. they're tweening all over the place. Very few mm -hmm. joints. Yep, yep. Um, and finally, Matt closes out by saying, Metroidvania is generally one of my favorite genres of games, but I've never liked Symphony of the Night. And replaying it now for a third time... I at least think I understand why. I feel like it's useful to compare it to Super Metroid to see where Symphony of the Night falls short in world and level design. From a world design perspective, the game just does a really bad job of directing you to where to go. Super Metroid is designed to constantly nudge you along the critical path, but in Symphony of the Night, basically every time I get a new item, it means a random trip around the castle to find out uh, find the one little side path I missed. The world is big, but does not feel interconnected like Super Metroid. And most of the items, Mist, Spike Buster, are just keys with no other useful purpose. The level design also feels, frankly, really bad to me. Pretty much every room in Super Metroid is unique and has an interesting hook, either a gimmick or an interesting layout of enemies and platforms to deal with. In Symphony of the Night, so much of your time is spent in boring linear corridors or boring linear towers with nothing interesting to do. The enemy sprites and backgrounds are always cool, but it's incredibly tedious to traverse a long corridor of regularly placed enemies that die in one hit for the 10th time. It makes the aforementioned problem of world design worse that getting around the world is boring. I wonder if this is maybe a result of the decision to design the world in such a way that it can be explored upside down. If so, that was a bad trade-off in my judgment. 
Uh, that was a bad trade-off, in my judgment. Even flying around as a bat is boring because of the slow movement. Sure, Super Metroid is a bit of an unfair comparison because not many games hold up as well to it, or hold up well to it. But since the two games are so often compared favorably, I think it's reasonable. Besides, even if Super Metroid didn't exist, I think the flaws of Symphony of the Night are pretty noticeable compared to a modern Metroidvania game, such as Guacamelee or Ori, that do a better job of making it fun to get around the world. Yeah. Like you're not you're not wrong about any of that. Like I no, think that the, no. the central kind of like what I was trying to get across in the episode is that like on the surface, so many elements of Symphony of the Night are kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. Like just this this hallway that has one sword knight and one, you know, uh ball and chain knight in it that you have to go back and forth, you know, several times through is not like that's you never call that good level design. No. You know, like the stairway where you fight the same set of enemies four or five times, you'd never call it good level design. It's not. Uh, it's just that that kind of coolness and personality and game feel like it is a really weird illustration of the way that polish can elevate something mm-hmm. and make it more than the sum of its parts. Yeah. You know, um, it's where I came down. On. It doesn't mean that, you know, you have to like I don't think it's as good as Super Metroid by any no, no. any measure. I mean, you know, other like and even though that polish kind of stuff, it's not like Super Metroid is an unpolished game like right. that has a lot of like really, really cool little touches and things that that you know considering the generational difference so yeah. just the, the pure amount of space but there's a lot of cool little things that happen in that game too yeah um they're compared because it's an e- it's an easy and obvious point of comparison but it does come across like a like like an act of imitation and it comes across like the first swing at them trying to get better at it and yeah. trying to like understand the way it comes together and you know it didn't come together in this you know we spent a lot of time in the episode talking about that um, you know, I don't know if they ever quite reached the height that Super Metroid had, but yeah. And again, to your point, like if you start comparing everything to Super Metroid, yeah, you're going to you be know, unhappy that, that, for a long time. Like, yeah, you're, you're never <laughs> going to like a video game again. Right. You know, and that, that's a bummer, bummer place to be. Yeah. Uh, you know, so there's, in my mind, there's room for both. Like there's, mm-hmm. and there's, and even the gradient of like a level games, there's a room mm-hmm. for both. Yeah. You know, like Super Metroid is better. These are both some of my favorite games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, you know like the games can do mostly the same stuff, but still be trying to do very different things. Yeah. 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 That's what that's, you know, I, I think I brought that up in the episode is that one of the things when we recorded it, I was kind of surprised by how uh, much that they're not that similar, mm-hmm. like how different of games they actually are once you actually kind of dig deep, Yeah, you know, into them. So... Yeah. Agreed. Neat. Awesome. Uh, that's um, that's everybody. Thank you so much for writing in. Uh, this is a, a lot of responses. Will uh, Shadow of Destiny get the same number of responses? <laughs> I, Only time I, will tell. I predict two. Two. But if you have any thoughts about Shadow of Destiny or Shadow of Memories, which whatever it is in your territory, uh, you may have a day or so to uh, to, to, to get those in. That is at uh, duckfeed.tv slash contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you like the show, um, if you head over to patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv, you can support the network, which is awesome and, and is a goal in and of itself. But uh, we also there's things you get in exchange for that. Um, yeah. Currently, um, at the time you are hearing this, uh, is the poll still going? Probably. Or the no? poll is going for a day or so. Yeah, for a day or so. So you can vote uh, what we're doing after Shadow of Destiny. You can uh, every and we do this quarterly. Mm-hmm. So you can vote in the future. Um, you can uh, there's little bonus videos and things that pop up. You get episodes a day early. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get access to our Slack channel, uh, bonus shows. All kinds of stuff. And uh, the more people support us, the more we can do cool stuff. Yeah. 
in the future. So we, uh, you know, new shows are a direct result of that. The only mm-hmm. way that we know how to incentivize uh, people giving <laughs> us money is to make more content. Yeah, like sense. The, that, that, like that, the content amount of content is the only lever we have access to. <laughs> And we will pull the fuck out of it. Yep. Like it is, uh, you know, the, the beginning of that Patreon, which was several years ago, it was like, we make 24 hours of shows a day yep. or uh, a month. And I'm, and now it's like, it's like 34 or something like uh, that. I'm, I'm pretty scared actually to go in, to go and run that number. So yeah, it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's a lot. So we, uh, we will pull that lever, uh, like, <laughs> like rats in an experiment and, uh, and make that happen. So, um, Give us, give us whatever drug you're testing so we can push that lever. Mombasa? There we go. I, I like that it ends on a question. <laughs> I wasn't intending to end it at that point, but I liked nope. it as a, a phrase. Yep. Cool. <clears throat> All right. I'm going to break this yep. real quick. Open up this bad boy. What?